0: Chapter Twenty Five of Interrupted by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five: Dangers Seen and Unseen. It was this man then to whom Harry Matthews' eyes often wandered during that morning service. The look of profound amazement which had settled on his uncle's face after the first sweeping glance which he gave the little church had caused Harry the keenest satisfaction the more so that during the morning he had been addressed after this fashion. The only regret I had when I found out that I could drop off at South Plains and spend a day or two was that it was Saturday and the Sabbath would have to be spent in that forlorn little box where you go to church. I have vivid recollections of the day I spent with you a year ago. Harry, my boy, I don't like to think of your Sabbaths being passed amid such unpleasant surroundings. "'I shall be glad when your engagement here closes. "'You don't think of renewing it, I hope? "'I have plans which I want to talk over with you to-morrow.' "'But Harry had been too full of the surprise in store "'to make any reply to these questionings other than to say, "'Come on, Uncle Harold, I sing in the choir, "'and I promise to be there in good time.' "'None the less was he watching for that first look, "'and it satisfied him.' he wanted to laugh outright but of course he did no such thing instead he seated his amazed relative in one of the best pews then took his place in the choir all of his face save his eyes in decorous repose all the bright sabbath afternoon they sat together uncle and nephew the one an eager narrator the other an attentive listener every step of the colossal plan as it appeared to others and was matured and carried out by the unfaltering zeal of Clare Benedict, was detailed for the uncle's benefit. And certainly Clare's reputation did not suffer in the young man's hands. He could not help glorifying her. None knew better than he what she had been to him, but of this more sacred story he as yet said nothing. Its time was to come. Why, Uncle Harold, you remember Bud, he burst forth afresh after a moment's silence that queer fellow who worked for the ansteds he came down here that night you spent here last spring with papers you know for mr Ansted, and you talked with him a little and laughed so over his queer notions remember well sir that fellow is simply made over it is a great deal more wonderful than the church we used to think he was not more than half witted i'll tell you what it is I shouldn't wonder if it turned out that he was double witted. You didn't recognize his name today, of course. It is a wonder that he did himself. Hubbard Myers, that's the boy. Yes, sir, he has joined the church, and a help he will be to it too. Uncle Harold, you ought to hear him pray. He says queer things, even in prayer. At least they sound queer. But in spite of yourself. You cannot help wondering sometimes whether it is not because he has gotten ahead of all the rest and sees things that they don't understand. I believe he thinks Miss Benedict is an angel sent here from heaven to help him. That's no wonder, though, perhaps she is. Anyhow, she has helped him as well, and perhaps better than a real angel could have done, and she is the first one who ever took any notice of him or remembered that he had a soul. It is no special wonder that the uncle was deeply interested in this story. It told more than Harry suspected. How came this gay young fellow, who had cost him many sleepless nights, to be sufficiently familiar with a prayer meeting to know who prayed or how? He studied the bright face before him most attentively. It was changed, certainly. He had felt the change in the boy all day. What was it? How much did it mean? There had certainly been a need for change. It made his heart beat fast to think of Harry's mother, and the possibility of news for her such as would make her feel young again. "'Harry,' he said gently, "'do you know, I half hope that I have not heard the best yet of this wonderful story, that there has been another making over. How is it, my boy?' A bright flush mantled Harry's face as he bent his eyes closer over the paper on which he was scribbling his own and his uncle's names with all sorts of flourishes. Suddenly he raised his head and looked full into the kind eyes bent wistfully on him and smiled. "'I don't know why I should hesitate to tell you that, I am sure,' he said, speaking in a firm manly tone. "'It is true enough.' I HAVE BEEN MADE OVER, I BELIEVE. CERTAINLY, NOBODY EVER NEEDED IT MORE, AND NOBODY EVER STRUGGLED HARDER AGAINST IT, AS YOU VERY WELL KNOW. AT LEAST YOU KNOW PART. BUT I HAVE BEEN LOWER DOWN THAN YOU THINK, UNCLE HAROLD. TALK ABOUT ANGELS. I KNOW THAT I DON'T SEE HOW ANY ANGEL CAN EVER DO MORE FOR ME THAN MISS BENEDICT HAS DONE. I'VE ENGAGED FOR LIFE AS A SERVANT OF THE LORD JESUS CHRIST. AND I OWE MORE TO MISS BENEDICT THIS MINUTE THAN I DO TO ANY HUMAN BEING, NOT excepting EVEN YOU AND MY MOTHER. THE UNCLE WAS OUT OF HIS CHAIR BY THIS TIME, ONE HAND ON THE SHOULDER OF HIS DEAR BOY, WHILE HE HELD OUT THE OTHER WHICH WAS PROMPTLY GRASPED, BUT HE COULD NOT SPEAK YET, AND HE COULD NOT SEE FOR THE TEARS. THIS YOUNG FELLOW WAS VERY DEAR TO HIM, AND THE WAITING HAD BEEN LONG. "'God bless you,' he said at last, his lips quivering and unable to utter another word. When he could speak again, he said, "'My dear boy, have you told your mother?' "'Not yet,' said Harry, his eyes shining, "'but you can be sure that I am going to. You see, Uncle Harold, the articles of surrender were only signed, sealed, and delivered night before last in the middle of the night.' Since then I have not had a moment's time that belonged to me, but I'll write her such a letter as she has never had from me. While the uncle walked the parlour of the boarding-house and waited for his nephew to make ready for evening service, he had some questions to settle which were personal. He became aware of the fact that he had certainly jumped to conclusions regarding some of the workers in the master's vineyard which were apparently without foundation here was this miss benedict he had heard her name mentioned frequently in the days gone by and always as one of the dependences of the church to which she belonged and yet he had always thought of her with curling lip workers he had told himself being mentally very sarcastic yes didn't all the initiated know what that meant when applied to a fashionable young lady who lived in an elegant home and mingled with the fashionable world. It meant that she helped at the fancy fairs and festivals and bazaars and what not, worked them up, probably, with all their accompanying train of evils. It meant that she was a district visitor, perhaps, and left a tract on redeeming the time in a home where they were starving for lack of employment and needed a loaf of bread. He had seen workers of that sort, and he found it difficult to feel for them anything but contempt. The thing for which he was now to take himself to task was the fact that he had classed Clare Benedict among these, knowing nothing of her meantime, save that she was a member of a fashionable uptown church, and that, too, after knowing her father and singling him out as a man among thousands. The simple truth was that he had imagined a character of which he disapproved, and named it Claire Benedict, and then let himself disapprove of her heartily. The sole thing that I know about the young woman is that she was once wealthy, and on this account I have judged her as I have, and I find that it is what I am apt to do. This was what he told himself as he walked the length of that little parlour and waited. He was much ashamed of himself. It is an excellent standpoint from which to judge character, he said severely. If there is any justice in it, I must be a worthless person myself. I wonder how many people are setting me down as one who merely plays at Christian work because my father left me one fortune and my old aunt another. I am glad that this man had this severe talk with himself. He needed it. The truth is, he was very apt to judge of people in masses, as though they were specimens and belonged to certain types. The conclusion of his self-examination at this time was that he declared that if one-third of what Harry thought about this young person was true, it had taught him a lesson. He went to church that evening, apparently for the purpose of studying the lesson more thoroughly. At least, he gave some attention to the organist. He had recognized her in the morning, because she had eyes like her father, and this evening he decided that her head was shaped like his, and that she had the firm mouth and yet sweet set of lips that had characterized the father, and he told himself that he might have known that the daughter of such a man would be an unusual woman. After service was concluded, he walked deliberately forward and claimed acquaintance with Sidney Benedict's daughter. The glow that he brought to her face and the tender light which shone in her eyes when he mentioned that dear father's name gave him a glimpse of what the daughter's memories were. Harry came up to them eagerly, having been detained by the pastor for a moment. You have introduced yourself, Uncle Harold, I see. Miss Benedict, I wanted my Uncle Harold to know you for very special reasons. Uncle Harold was unaccountably embarrassed, What a strange thing for that boy to say, and what did he propose to say next? But Claire relieved the embarrassment and plunged him into a maze of questioning by the sudden eager interest which flashed in her face with the mention of his name. "'Are you Harold Chesney?' she asked, as though a new thought came to her with the union of the two names. "'And are you going to the Rocky Mountains?' "'I am Harold Chesney.' he said, smiling, and I have in mind a trip to the Rocky Mountains, if I can make my plans in that direction what I wish, but why this should be of interest to you passes my comprehension. Of course this last he thought. She did not leave him long in doubt. Is Louis Anstead going with you? He is, if I can prevail upon him to do so. That is part of my errand here at this time, and has to do with the plans I mentioned." and now his face plainly asked the question why do you care she seemed to answer the look he needs to go mr. Chesney he needs help such help as perhaps you can give him I don't know something must be done for him and that soon mr. Chesney I hope you will succeed there was no time for more Alice Ansted came up and claimed the stranger as an acquaintance and stood talking with him for a moment, and expressed extreme anxiety that he should find her brother in the city the next day. He is somewhere in town, but we never know where. Still, I could give you a dozen addresses, at any one of which you might find him. I hope you will not return without seeing him. I shall not, Mr. Chesney said decidedly. Is he inclined to accompany me, do you think? "'Has he mentioned to you my designs?' "'Yes, and would go if it were not for—' "'Mr. Chesney, if you could make Mamma understand. "'No one seems able to. "'Claire Benedict has tried and failed, "'and what she fails in perhaps cannot be done. "'I don't know, but something must be done, "'and that speedily.'" Almost Clare Benedict's words repeated. The newcomer walked home in almost silence. As they neared Harry's door, he said, "'What is young Anstead about just now?' "'Drinking hard, sir. He is running downhill very fast. "'If you don't get him away with you, I am afraid he will go to the dogs in a hurry.' "'Is he still on terms of special intimacy with the Van Martyrs?' "'Well, as to that, I do not know. Things look mixed.' he rails against Willis Van Marder once in a while, when he has been taking enough to make him imprudent, and Miss Alice seems to have broken with them altogether. At least Willis does not come out any more, I think, and Miss Alice is not in town often. But Mrs. Anstead seems to be as intimate with them as ever, and Lewis goes there with his mother. I don't know anything about it, but it looks like a house divided against itself." and if I had such a mother as Louis Anstead has, I don't believe I would try to be anybody. Mothers don't seem to count for much sometimes, my boy. You mean with their sons, and I dare say you mean me, Uncle Harold, but it is not true. My mother always counted for ten times more than you think. It was she who held me back. If Louis Anstead had a tenth part of the craving for liquor that I have, with his mother to push him he would have been gone long ago beyond reach i don't know but he is now he has been going down very fast in the last few weeks what is the accelerating cause that i don't positively know partly it is the natural result of a bad habit indulged i suppose but there are other influences at which i can guess still it is pure guesswork i am not in any one's confidence except when Lewis has been drinking too much he says to me things that he would not want me to know if he were sober and those of course i don't repeat i think that his mother is bent on this union of the two houses van martyrs and theirs and i think neither Lewis nor miss alice are of her mind in the matter and i think moreover that Lewis would rather have an hour of miss benedict's society "'than a lifetime of Miss Eva Van Martyrs, "'and I don't think he can get what he wants. "'Now, isn't that an interesting little romance "'for a young fellow like me to think out, "'especially when I don't know a thing about it? "'The only fact is that Louis Anstead is in great danger, "'and nobody seems to have much influence over him, "'at least nobody who uses it in the right direction. "'His sister seems to be roused,' I was surprised to hear her speak as she did. His sister is not the woman she was when you saw her last. She has been under Miss Benedict's influence all winter. Evidently you incline to the belief that Miss Benedict is a remarkable woman, his uncle said with a slight laugh. Why has she not been exerting her influence to help poor Louis? She has tried as hard as a woman can, but Uncle Harold... She is not the sort of woman to promise to marry a man merely to save him from becoming a drunkard. I should hope not, Mr. Chesney answered promptly. End of chapter 25 Recording by Tricia G.